sixth and final week of our current series, Dangerous Prayer, and I'm really going to miss that opening trailer. <laughs> we think of prayer as comfortable and familiar, but the prayer we've been talking about isn't. It's different. Dangerous Prayer makes specific requests of God that require us to stretch our faith and trust in God. They take us to places in our relationship with God where we've never been before. Dangerous prayer relies on God's presence and power. We expect to hear from him. Dangerous prayer means you're all in. They're cries from the heart that connect with the deepest desire of the heart. As we launched this series, we acknowledged right up front that some prayers work and some prayers don't, in the sense that they don't seem to affect what they propose, which is actually true, if you think about it, about everything we undertake in life. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So that fact alone need not dissuade or discourage us from renewed efforts at prayer. Actually, in the course of this series, we've been focusing on praying more, as in more skillfully, more powerfully, and more effectively. God takes us seriously, so it makes sense he takes our prayers seriously too. And he wants to challenge, challenge and change us in prayer. He wants us to see the influence and impact that we can have through the power of prayer. He wants us to see prayer as a powerful tool in which we partner with him to bring healing and wholeness to the world. And so, over the course of this series, we've invited and encouraged you to pray dangerous prayers. Prayers like, heal me, send me, use me. Prayers like, thy will be done. And on this Stewardship Sunday, it seems especially appropriate that we all together pray a dangerous prayer as a parish for our parish, that we pray a dangerous prayer for our parish. This year, as many of you know, I'm celebrating 25 years as pastor here at Nativity. When... When I, when I first came to Nativity, it was, well, it was a bit of a sleepy kind of parish. It had a lot of things going for it, don't get me wrong, but it just seemed to me that it was a kind of sleepy parish. It needed something. I had no idea what, because I was a first-time pastor with zero experience or background. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything, but I did know this place needed something. I came to call that something revival, although I didn't even know what I meant by that. I eventually started thinking about revival literally, as in old-fashioned revival meetings with tents and gospel music and fiery preachers preaching fire and brimstone, something to really wake up and shake up the parish. Well, it never happened. We didn't have any staff, and there was no money, and nobody understood what I was talking about anyway, so 
It never really happened. And it's probably just as well that it never happened because given the composition of the congregation at the, at the time, if I tried anything remotely resembling an old-fashioned revival, I wouldn't have lasted 25 minutes, much less 25 years. But here's what I didn't understand at the time. Here's what I had to grow in understanding. While a revival is an event, a revival meeting is an event, revival is different. Revival is a way of living and, and being. And revival for Christ church means growth. It means growth in, in goodness and grace, for sure. It means growth, perhaps, in numbers. It means growth in terms of going deeper and wider in our community and in the lives of our parishioners, and growing stronger in impact and influence way beyond our community. In revival, people are awakened to the person of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for us. This is what John is, speak, John is saying in the passage from Revelation we read a few moments ago. He tells us, Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Jesus Christ is the faithful witness. He's a faithful witness to the love God the Father has for us. He is such a faithful witness to his Father and to us that he lays down his life for us. He goes to the cross. He's beaten and bloodied and nailed to the cross to show us how much the Father loves us. He died to show us the love of the Father, but he did not stay dead. John reminds us he is the firstborn of the dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And he tells us that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. In other words, while he was the first, he will not be the last. Because Jesus rose, we too will rise. And we're reminded that this world is not all there is. This life is not all there is. There is a new heaven and a new earth that God is creating for us. He says about Jesus, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Jesus is Christ the King as we celebrate on this feast. He is the Lord and King of human history. John continues, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us into a kingdom, priest for his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever, amen. So John starts praising Jesus because of what he's done for us. He has freed us from our sins by his blood. As a result of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can live in the freedom we have as God's sons and daughters. Free from fear, free from doubt, free from guilt, free from worry and anxiety, free even from sin and death. They have no power over us. We can live in the freedom we have as God's sons and daughters, free to be priests in his kingdom. In other words, to free to live, offer our lives back to him as a living sacrifice. John continues, he says, behold, he is coming. He is coming amid the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. All the peoples of the earth will lament him. Yes, amen. So John look, looks to the end of the world, or to the second coming of Jesus. That's what he means by, behold, he is coming amid the clouds. That's a metaphor for Jesus coming in glory. He will come again to put everything right at the end of the of time. And so as Christ followers, we're to bring people into a relationship with Jesus so they wait with joyful hope 
for his coming. And then John concludes by saying this, I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the almighty. Jesus is the alpha and omega. The alpha and the omega are the beginning and the end of the Greek alphabet. So Jesus is reminding us that we find our meaning and our purpose in him. Apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no meaning, there is no purpose, but in a personal relationship with Jesus, we find meaning and purpose in every area of our lives, including our suffering, our pain, and our struggles. Jesus alone gives us meaning and purpose. In revival, people are awakened to the person of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for us. People who do not know Jesus come to know him. People who have been following him, follow him more closely. This is why we exist as a church, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and to create more stories like these. I never really devoted any time to faith. I never really went to church, um, but it was always something that I wanted to get into but I didn't feel like I had a support system of friends who were religious enough to like even talk about it. It was just kind of like an unseen, um, unknown kind of subject for me. And a friend of mine that I've been friends with and teammates with um, a couple years back reached out and said, hey, I work at Nativity. Um, would you want to ever come to Mass? Uh, would you be in interested in our new SGU program? And after thinking about it, thinking over it, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. And so then once I did get, you know, um, into Nativity and started joining, I realized, wow, I was really missing out. I should have done something about this sooner. Throughout my adult life, and I'm only 20 years old, so it hasn't been terribly long, but I was relying a lot on what other people thought of me and their expectations of what I should be doing with my life, how they thought I carried myself, just taking in other people's emotions and opinions about myself when I really didn't need to. Um, and when I started uh, my faith journey, I was realizing more and more that it really doesn't matter what other people think. Um, you know, you could take other people's opinions and emotions into account, but in the end, like, God created each of us differently. We're all uniquely beautiful, and I finally realized that I've been surrounded by many, many people who have pushed me towards my faith journey, who have supported me along the way, who I could ask questions to, who I could talk to. I've always been someone that people have reached out to for advice. I guess I just kind of attracted people when they needed help, um, but now that I have God backing me up with my opinions and what I help people with. I feel even more confident to help others as well. And I truly feel like my calling in life is to help others. That's why I have the occupation that I have as a police officer, to make the impact on other people. And to now be able to tie God into that, I just feel so much more, um, so much more strength to be able to perform my daily tasks at work, to be able to help people as much as I can. I'm an attorney, that's my profession. I'm also a business owner. Um, I came to Nativity six years ago. Uh, at the time, my business was not doing well, and me and my business partner were in a very toxic relationship. I did not like the way we were running our business. I didn't like the way we were treating our employees. Um, I felt like I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. I was just really not happy where I was, and I didn't know how to get out of it, and I didn't know what to do about it. I um, was listening to the Money series, the Father White did, and I was overwhelmed because it spoke directly to what I was going through, the struggles I was having. It made me feel, you know, that I had a purpose and that I had to do something to change where I was. 
even though I know that it was, it was probably going to mean that I gave up everything, that was okay because I was going to be in a better place in the end. My small group helped me tremendously from day one, even through um, the, the, the two years of trying to wind the business down and restart another business. They were there supporting me the whole time, laying hands on me and praying over me, or just let, sending me messages, or just being there at different moments where I needed just advice for how to do this and what to do with it. What came out of losing my business was that I was able to enter a new relationship and start a new business with new partners, with uh, a group of people that understand what I want to do here, that support my volunteer work, that support what I do with Rebuild. Um, they are completely supportive of, of building a business that is Christian and thinks about the way people should be treated and how employees should be treated. So what came out of that loss was a new beginning. The way I found Nativity was through a friend. Somebody invited me and it was at a time when I knew I really needed to get back to church and it was just from the moment I sat down, it just felt like home. I was a good Catholic. I was doing the things, checking the boxes, and um, my faith was strong, but I would almost classify it a little bit like elementary-ish school faith. Um, but now that I've been here, just to be able to learn and grow and deepen my faith and walk my faith and, and act on it, um, not just myself, but my family. We're all growing. My marriage is, is growing. We're getting stronger. And my children are just, they're singing church songs at home. They're saying, put on Nativity, Mom. And yes, and they're learning and they're in all the programs and uh, we're all just growing. This is like a different level. This is a different level of living and of being a Christian and of feeling peaceful and fulfilled. Father Michael talked about how God is not interested in our comfort. He's interested in our character. And from that moment on, um, I feel like I've just had a different lens and I've shifted the way I think and hopefully act. And just, um, it's not about me. This is about what God wants me to do in my life and how I can help others and just live in a Christ-like way. Our dangerous prayer is for revival, and revival is coming, but it'll only be seen by those who have faith to believe it. Jesus said, according to your faith, it will be done. Now, as we look at our current landscape, it can be very difficult to believe in revival. So many churches remain empty. So many people seem uninterested in a relationship with God. Our politics seem as divisive as ever. We live in very uncertain times. But then again, when the times ever been certain? And besides, we're not to look to our times or look to our world to see where we are going. We're to look to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're to look to Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the pioneer of our faith. In other words, he leads us into the future. 
It was the management consultant, Peter Drucker, who once said this, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Well, to put a face spin on that, I would say this, the best way to predict the future is to co-create it with our Savior. And so in the season ahead, we're going to co-create a season of revival, a revival in which we hear more testimonies of miracles received and lives changed. A season in which we see kids who love church so much, they bring their parents back to campus week after week. In which we see 200 high school students confirmed. In which we walk with 250 parishes across the country as they rebuild their communities. As we introduce 1,000 new people to small groups this Lent. And watch in growing all as our online community grows by 50%, reaching people across the country and around the world. And it's your giving. You're giving to the parish that will support these efforts and so much more. You see, in revival, God's people release their resources for his purposes. We see this time and time again in scripture, from David raising funds to build the temple to the sacrificial giving and acts of the apostles. When God's people give to build God's kingdom, it releases his blessing and his grace across the country and around the world. 25 years ago, I had a modest ambition. I wanted a revival meeting, and even that didn't happen. But eventually, revival did. 25 years of growth and grace in every measurable way, as beautifully embodied here in this beautiful sanctuary. But now it's time to enter another season a new season, a new season of blessing and growth and grace and goodness and provision and healing and hope, a season that God has ordained for us. It's by God's grace and the favor of the Archbishop, but also this community's dedication to our purposes that I serve here as pastor. We've experienced so many blessings over the years, especially in recent years, but there's more to come. It's revival. A revival that searches souls and breaks habits and changes paths and sets us in the direction of the more that God has in store. A revival that moves mountains, works wonders, and expects miracles. <laughs> 